Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Secret Stories from the Underground. I am Danny Whitman. I am your host. And uh, today I'm co-hosted by my brother, Dean Whitman. We have Mark Stencil on the podcast today. Mark is a uh, comic book creator, a writer, a uh, CEO of a company. This man, he's got a lot going on. He's a busy guy. Um, very interesting story for anybody that likes comic books. You're going to love this podcast. We're going to talk about nerdy stuff for uh, the entire hour. The whole time. It's going to be a nerd fest up in here. Um <laughs> Real quick, though, shout out to the SJ Network, my buddy Steve Joyner. He is the publicist that is helping book all of these great guests on this podcast. Uh, Steven is a very hardworking guy. He has some great connects, and he's making this podcast better all the time. So I just wanted to give uh, the SJ Network a shout out real quick. Um, Go check out Steven Joyner, and uh, if you're trying to get your name out there, If you're trying to get heard, maybe you host a podcast, you're trying to get some guests on your podcast, Steven can hook you up. He is the real deal. That's it. That's enough for right now. Let's get down to the episode. This is Mark Stencil, everybody. Good morning. Hey, Mark. Good morning. Hey, how's it going, buddy? How are you doing? It's going great. I'm doing well. Just so you know, I'm here with my uh, co-host, Dean. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. And what was your name? Dean. Dean. Okay. Nice to meet you, Dean. Nice to meet you, Mark. How's your day going so far, bud? <clears throat> so far, so good. Uh, no fires or, or uh, you know, explosions so far. So that's always nice. okay. That's great. People aren't rioting in the streets or anything crazy? Not that I know of. You know, um, one of our our creators just moved from Portland to Nashville because, you know, the the riots there were just getting a little out of control. He's like, I got to get out of town before this gets uh, too bad. (laughs) Yeah, Portland uh, was a wild place to be for sure. Oh gosh, man! I like you see the video coming out of there, and it's like, oh, somebody got drug out of their truck and beat up. I remember that from the Rodney King days. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was just a normal day in LA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear. LA is a uh, pretty, uh, pretty crazy all the time, right? So <clears throat> give people of a rundown of what you do, Mark, because uh, you, you have a pretty interesting background. Sure. Um, you know, I, uh, I've, I've kind of run two, two courses in my, in my life. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a data integration uh, guy, so really technical computers, um, taking one kind of data from one system and sending them to another. But I've always done this... Um, creative thing with comic books and animation uh, uh, sort of at nights and on the weekends. It's, it's when it started um, because the, the job that I was doing during the day was so kind of technical and um, to be honest with you, kind of boring sometimes. <laughs> um, I started um, writing screenplays because, um, you know, this was in the, I guess the late nineties and, there's a lot of movies coming out that were derivatives of 
previous movies, that sort of thing. So I started writing screenplays and, you know, found a couple of guys who were also writing screenplays and we would meet together. And uh, this was when the movie uh, Fight Club came out. So we called ourselves Right Club. You know, we'd sit in the basement and tell one another that, you know, your screenplay sucks and here's why. <laughs> but over time, you know, the screenplays got better and the stories got better and the characters got more uh, faceted um, instead of, you know, the, the evil mustache twirling villain and the perfect, you know, hero. Um, so, you know, we lived in Atlanta, uh, the, the few of us in that sort of writers group. And so when we got to the point where we had finished screenplays that we wanted to get out there into the world, uh, there was no film business in Atlanta at the time. Like there was, you know, maybe a show here or there, but you know, Oh, the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> I remember, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they filmed here in Atlanta, but I mean, there's no film business really. So, you know, we asked ourselves the question, if we're going to, uh, if we're going to market these screenplays to folks who are actually making films and stuff, and, and we don't live in New York and Los Angeles, how are we going to do that? Uh, so we started uh, just thinking about what do we have? What resources do, do we have? And we had friends who were artists and we, we all had a love for the, uh, sequential art, uh, storytelling of comic books and graphic novels. So we're like, let's let's turn our screenplays into comics because if we do that, then obviously we can sell the comics, we can broaden our audience for our stories and, and these characters that we're creating. And it can be, a, you know, these comics are, uh, they're storyboards for a potential film. So there's no downside to this. So we decided to make a comic book and it was, our first comic book was black and white. It was an anthology with I think five, eight page stories in it. And um, it took us a year <laughs> to produce that book. And yeah, so, so once we produced the book, uh, yeah, we were thrilled and we um, went to a convention in Atlanta called Dragon Con and we sold a couple hundred of them over the weekend. So we're like, hey, people like our stuff. And so that's kind of how we got started. And um, as we made our own comic books, we, we started making uh, color comic books and then graphic novels. Uh, you know, a graphic novel is uh, like a hundred page plus comic book basically. <clears throat> and and um, we started saying, hey, we need to market these comic books. What can we do? Well, let's make animation. <laughs> so we started making these little animated trailers of, uh, you know, some of our stories. Uh, Platypus versus Monkey is one of those that, that we animated. We, we had this little character called Nick the Gnome, who was a, a gnome. You can picture this, a gnome with like a 45 and a katana. And, you know, he can pull <laughs> weapons out of his gnome hat. And uh, he's part of, of Odd Ops, the other dimensional defense forces. And so, you know, if the boogeymen are coming out of the closet and taking your kid, you give Odd Ops a call and they send Nick Gnome over and he goes into the boogie <laughs> world and recovers your child. And it was... Um, it really lent itself to animation. So we did a few seconds of um, actually hand-drawn animation 
uh, Sean Corey Adams, who's worked for Cartoon Network and Disney, um, did that uh, little animated short. And we're like, this is really fun. <laughs> we're having fun doing this. <laughs> and as we went to more conventions, people uh, saw us, they saw our animation playing and they saw our comic books and they, they would ask us, hey, you know, we have a tire company. Can you do a comic book telling the story of our company? Or uh, we, at Dragon Con a few years after that first Dragon Con, we, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but the CDC is based here in Atlanta. So uh, <clears throat> some CDC folks were walking through and saw what we were doing and they're like, wouldn't this would be a great way to, to educate and inform people about public health? So we ended up doing over an hour of, of animation with the CDC geared towards um, AIDS prevention and uh, that sort of thing. So that's kind of how Terminus got started. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a wild ride for sure. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's cool that somebody from the CBC senior work it was like, yeah, this guy's got something cool going on. We should uh, work with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And, I just imagine know. the CBC is like a you know, real like easy group to get in. So. It seem like a fun-loving group. <laughs> yeah, you know, like seem about business. Well, you know, the, the CDC is, seri is serious business. You know, they're Centers for Disease Control and and um you know everybody you work there has a doctorate of some kind and is brilliant and so we really enjoyed you know we really enjoyed working for the cdc and uh just a great uh team of, of professionals who are passionate about ed educating the public because uh, sometimes it's it's hard to get your get your information across to communicate what you're trying to communicate to people uh because you know how it is, you're watching YouTube or something, and <clears throat> that video has about 30 seconds or a minute maximum to engage you in terms of entertainment. And if it doesn't, click, you know, you're clicking on somewhere else because there's thousands more options in terms of entertainment to take advantage of. So, you know, it's really edutainment. Let's, let's hold the audience while we're you know, communicating this information payload that we want to get across. And it's interesting, they tested the audience before they would watch one of our, you know, animated videos. It was called Cabby Chronicles, um, uh, The Edge. <laughs> it's kind of a weird name. But they would test the audience for their knowledge of certain things before they watched the video, and then they would test them afterwards. And it's, it's pretty incredible how much information you're able to communicate through a story. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. When, uh, when how many people work in your crew, like how many people do the writing? How many illustrators do you have? <clears throat> on that project, um, on the CDC project, we had about, uh, we had about 50 people, uh, well, 50 people in terms of the art and the animation and that sort of stuff. And probably 30 more uh voice actors uh hey guys and so uh hey is that dr bell <laughs> this is dr bell hey what's up hey. thanks for joining us uh everybody uh in the way of introduction this is this is dr baron bell he is the creator of of two of our uh main projects the first one is radio free america and the second is uh 
dominion fall of the house of Saul. So, <clears throat> but um, yeah, we so, so we probably had about seventy-five people total working on that CDC project. <clears throat> but um, yeah. Oh, sorry, but you're breaking up there. So. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I was just saying that we we probably have about about seventy five people working on that animation project for the CDC. That's a that's a pretty big project, uh, or a lot of people on a project for something like that. That's uh, that's cool that you got to work with so many people. When you're working with that many people, does everybody have uh, does, does does everybody get along okay? Because like me and Dean, we play in a band. I, I write comedy. Any more than four people, and we're arguing. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, one thing is, uh, you know, when when you're paying somebody, it's a little different dynamic. It's it's more like yeah. hey, I'm, paying, I'm paying you to do this, so you know, please do what I ask. And you know, we you deal with issues where people disagree on things. I mean, if you get two artists in a room, they're going to have creative differences. Um, but I think if you have a strong vision for uh, what you want to do and you sort of raise a standard or raise a flag of, of follow me, you know, this is where we're going and you cast a big vision for that. Uh, I think people follow that and they get excited about it and they do their best work uh, when they realize that they're doing something that is meaningful, that's going to impact other people in a positive way you know the animation that we were doing was you know geared towards uh, hiv and aids prevention and some of the artists who worked on the project actually had family members who had died uh, from aids before there was treatments and before there were cures so i mean you want to talk about passion working on a project these people are like you know we we got to do this we have to get this message out we're excited about this and uh, obviously the, the folks at the CDC have, have dedicated their lives and careers to doing this. So lots of enthusiasm, lots of excitement. Uh, we actually won the, the CDC um, President's Award uh, for the project. <laughs> so it was well received. Wow, and yeah, lots of um, awards. So yeah, really exciting. So. Uh, with working with a crew that big and that, um, with your other projects and that, um, like the Dominion and that, um, are you involved personally on each of those projects that your company works on? Um, <clears throat> I'm involved in, in, in all the projects we work on to some extent, um, even if it's, you know, uh, with like take Dominion as an example, um, you know, <laughs> I remember when uh, Dr. Bell sort of pitched it to me, uh, we had a conversation in early 2020 about, actually it was in, I think it was in late 2019, right? Yeah, yeah. Late, late 2019. <clears throat> yeah, late 2019, we were talking about, about Terminus, because, you know, Terminus is almost 20 years old. We've been around for a while, been doing comics and animation and, and all these, you know, client services projects like CDC and Nitto tires, whatever. And so we were talking about where do we, where do we go from here as a company? What do we, cause you get to a point in a company where you do what you have to do. You know, we got to pay the bills. We got to, we got to do this project uh, because the, you know, 
et cetera. But you get to a point with a company sometimes where you say, what do we want to do now? And sort of what we came to is uh, we have these stories that we want to tell that we don't think anybody else is telling um, that we're passionate about. And so Baron pitched uh, this project, Dominion Fall of the House of Saul, and put together some some illustrations to show me what he's talking about. And, you know, it's, and it, Baron, do you want to tell folks basically what, what a synopsis of what Dominion Fall of the House yeah. of Saul is? Yeah, yeah. Well, first and foremost, um, thank you for having me on with Mark. Um, just a, as a way of introduction, uh, I'm Dr. Baron Bell. Um, I am a professor of art and design at Liberty University. And uh, I'm also, you know, a partner in Termis Media, published comic book art, author and artist with these guys for many, many years. Uh, and yeah, um, I'm loving, I'm definitely loving what I'm doing. Uh, as far as Dominion, um, the best way to, to encapsulate it is Dominion is Star Wars meets Narnia. It is straight up like a Shakespearean drama of this family, which we draw from First Samuel in the Bible. It's King Saul, the first king of Israel, and yeah. his eventual demise and decline of their house. So it, it really is kind of like an intergalactic Game of Thrones, but it's referencing the Bible. Very cool. <clears throat> yeah, and when Dr. Bell pitched it to me, he's like, okay, Mark, um, so we got, you know, this story about, you know, the first king of Israel, Saul, and, but instead of being like this, you know, dusty town in the Holy Land with people walking around in bathrobes, we're going to do it in this intergalactic planetary world, and, you know, the good guys in Dominion are, you know, all the characters are anthropomorphic animals, like King Saul is a huge lion with, like, a human yeah. body, <laughs> and, um, so, you know, I grew up in the 80s, and, you know, when I came home from school in the afternoon, I would watch Thundercats, right, and Voltron. <laughs> so, you know, yes. Lions in Space, for me, was a yes. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> so, you know, I was really excited about it. But when I saw some of the, the illustrations and uh, some of the concept art, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, I can really see this. This is this is amazing. And well, at first, I, at first, I knew you. You thought I was a little, a little nutty, or yes. uh, like, what, what, what is, what is he smoking? What, what is he on right now? Because I need some of that. <laughs> oh yeah, there's definitely a whole lot of crazy, but it was, it was the good kind of crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. But hey, <clears throat> you know, you yeah. into something creative when somebody else has to wonder if you're, you're on drugs. If <laughs> <laughs> right. This is very different. So, you know, and it's, and it's things like in the story, the, 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 the Seraphim Marines are kind of a, a group of special forces in Dominion. And they're, you know, tigers and the cheetah and a wolf. And so all the good guys are sort of warm-blooded creatures, furry creatures, gorillas, uh, uh, rhinoceros, <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. But the bad guys, the, the Philistines, are cold-blooded. They're, they're alligators and crocodiles and snapping turtles. And uh, 
and their ships, you know, look different. It's kind of like in uh, Lord of the Rings where, you know, the, the Urukai and the, the goblins are sort of, uh, you know, primitive uh, and use these crude weapons, whereas the good guys, the minion, are more streamlined and in technology, that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, they, they, you know, the other thing that I used to watch when I would come home from school in the afternoon is this, this old show called Robotech. Are you guys familiar with Robotech, Danny and oh Dean? I, I am not, actually. I, no, I, I'm not. Dean's a little bit older. You and Dean would have probably grew up watching the same show. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Robo, Robotech is um, it's kind of like Gundam, right? Uh, it was the first Japanese animation that I saw as a, as a kid. And... Um, well, actually, Star Blazers I saw before. Oh, yeah, Star Blazers, absolutely. <laughs> Star Blazers with the wave motion gun and everything. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, Robotech had mechs, like battle mechs, right, where you'd have a human inside a humanoid, you know, battle uh, robot. And that was part yeah. of Dominion as well. So that's another thing where it's it's like, oh, this is different than the biblical story. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it gave me an excuse to use everything that I love which is like Star Wars or Transformers or uh, like I said, Narnia, uh, even, uh, you know, uh, Game of Thrones to a certain extent. And it's just like, you're putting all of this stuff into this kind of a, a, a soup of a wonderful type of story that's already been established, but we're just, you know, we're not telling a word for word retelling of this biblical story. It's just inspired by using the same plot points. But a lot of the, the uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of creative license that we take with them. Gotcha. Now, um, I looked at some of the artwork for, for Dominion, and it the artwork is awesome. Thank you. It, Yeah, yeah. Uh, that work is amazing. How long does it take you normally to come up with like one of these pieces of artwork? Well, I mean, uh, we can pretty much churn out um, uh, one book every quarter. So you know, our whole goal is to pretty much put out at least three or four books a year. So you know, I mean, it. it you know, if you compare that to the the regular comic book industry with DC and Marvel, you know, they do a, a book in half the time that we do a book, but you know, we don't have all their money, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is yeah, it well, like competing with companies like Marvel and DC? I think it's great. Uh, I'm, we, we're, not, we're not afraid, we're not, you know, the thing is we know our stuff is great. We know that the quality is, is just equal, if not better than a lot of their stuff. We know that our storytelling is on par. Uh, we have a, a, a very solid fan base that's growing every single day that that confirms what we know already. So, you know, I, I, we love it, you know? We're just like we have David and Goliath in our book coming up. We are just David and their Goliath and we're gonna just knock them down. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good attitude. For sure. Yeah, you know, we're 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 more like, uh, you know, we're kind of like pirates on the high seas, right? We, <laughs> we can we can move fast. We can swoop in when we decide to do a project. It's like it's not like, well, you know, let's let's do you know for the quarter, third quarter next year. It's like 
when we want to do something, we pull the trigger and we're, we get started immediately. So um, we're, we're kind of quick and nimble like that. But I remember the first time I went to San Diego Comic-Con, which is the largest pop culture convention in the world, I believe. Uh, and I remember seeing our competition, right? Seeing the big Marvel booth and the big DC booth. And, you know, obviously Marvel is owned by the Walt Disney Company now and DC is owned by Time Warner. So these are large corporations with, uh, you know, with large ability to, to tell stories in lots of different uh, contexts. The, the Marvel movies uh, have, have, have just been great. And so <laughs> Marvel is a lot more than, than you know, a, com a comic book or an animation company. They're a film company. They're a, a licensing uh, a big gorilla <laughs> in terms of their company and their structure. Uh, so there, there's a lot to admire there, and and also just, I mean, think about all the comic books that, you know, just Marvel and DC, not even mentioning companies like Dark Horse and Top Shelf and these other uh, smaller companies. Uh, there's a ton of content that they produced over over the years. Uh, so big big libraries of of create of intellectual property, and I, I remember. Uh, on Disney Plus, when I saw they're gonna they're gonna do Wandavision, <laughs> I was like, "Isn't Wandavision kind of a little quirky comic book?" Uh, <laughs> no, was kind of odd and kind of different, but they're gonna do it on Disney Plus. Okay, uh, so I watched that, and the show is odd. <laughs> yes. Now here, I got a I got a question for you guys. What now? Say what? What would you guys do if Disney ever came to you and said, "Hey, we want." this out of your catalog would, would you guys ever work with another company or are you guys just about keeping it within yourselves there you know we, well, we've yeah that's some that's something for you to to answer mark i already know what my answer is yeah um you know i'll, I'll tell i'll give my answer and then uh, baron can you know fill in gaps but you know we we are open to working with, with anybody uh, I think the the critical thing is that they share our values and that the the core, the heart of the the project. Like take take Dominion as an example. You know, if 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 we're if you're talking about working with a company who's like, hey, just sign this over to us, and um, you know, we're going to do whatever we want with it, and we'll pay you a little bit to be a consultant, but you know, you're going to be disconnected from the creative process. I don't think that's a great idea, right? Like, um, like Bob Burden is a is a friend of, of Terminus. He's a, a great creator, a great man. Uh, he created a thing called Mystery Men, and I don't know if you guys ever saw that film back in the day. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. It had, a, it had a great cast and everything, but I don't think it was exactly. Um, it, I think it would have been a better film if Bob had actually been involved in the making of the film. Um, and that's just my opinion. And, um, but, you know, I, I think that's the key thing is that, that we share values and that the company is committed to keeping the, the, the folks who created the thing um, on board to advise and that they actually listen to that advice. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's what, that's what I was going to say too. It's just like, you know, 
there are horror stories and you guys might have even heard of some in the past where you know uh you know there's a, a great book or whatever that's out there and a big gigantic company comes a calling and they you know reluctantly or even readily sign over everything to these companies and they they ruin them they ruin the story they take everything that that made the story great out of it and we're not about that it's just like if you if we can't be um a a firm part of the creation of whatever they they're planning um then we we would prefer not to even go that route you know we we have a powerful thing which is the word no we can say no even to disney it doesn't matter Sure. Yeah. yeah. You, you don't want to end up like the new Star Wars movies. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is a whole yeah, I went through therapy on that one. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah it's, well, it's weird and, when it's weird when a sequel doesn't live up to the, the original. Um but I guess most sequels don't. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> some some do on a rare on rare occasions, like the the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. I mean, that was an amazing, amazing sequel to the first movie. You know, um, oh, yeah. but it doesn't always happen like that. Yeah, no. You know, Empire was great. Yeah, Empire was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Them original three were the best. Oh, they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, like apparently thinking. the new ones are so bad that they're Disney's gonna or Star Wars is just gonna act like they never happened now, I guess. Or not, <laughs> <or> not. <laughs> like, uh, by the way, that that stretch of uh, 10 years, just forget about it. Just it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna delete that from our Star Wars history. <laughs> now, are, are we talking about the Star Wars movies where like like Luke Skywalker sitting on an island somewhere, kind of pouting about everything. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the newer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, milking yeah. some kind of creatures. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was not a fan of that version of Luke Skywalker myself. Yeah, but you know, stories, yeah. stories are the stories of characters, right? Where the character goes from, it goes on a journey from, you know, in Luke Skywalker's character, just sitting in the desert with you know his aunt and uncle, and he. I, I want to. What are the, the the power converters? I don't want to do that. I want to do exciting things. <laughs> and um, from that to to being, you know, I remember in Return of the Jedi when he shows up in that black outfit uh, with his lightsaber and everything. It's like, man. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an evolution. It's an evolution, um, and that's really. The oh yeah, thing, he's. You know, Go, go ahead. Yeah, Luke came a long way from the kid in the very beginning there to, yeah, the Luke in the black robe there was just, I mean, he kicked butt. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did you guys think of that last episode of The Mandalorian where Luke shows up? Did you guys see that? Yeah, I, I watched The Mandalorian I, I'm still behind I, on The Mandalorian. Ooh, oh, yeah. Spoiler. Sorry. Spoiler. <laughs> oh, oh, no, it's good. It's good. I, I take spoilers good. It's all right. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, and you know, and I, I think we all can relate to that. I think we all feel a need for kind of uh, uh, someone in our life to teach us, a Yoda or a Gandalf somebody who has the wisdom and the knowledge to sort of 
advise us on the right path to take. And so, yeah, I, I think that's one of the great things about those those stories is they they inform us about how to how to think and and how to live our lives. You know, where Yoda says, you know, do or do not. <laughs> There's no There's try. No try. So we we've all heard that, and and we I think we all hear that kind of advice. Uh, or Gandalf sitting there with Pippin, and you know, before the I mean, Minas Tirith before its attack, you know, and talking about death, you know, and Gandalf is like, you know, death isn't so bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've been there, done that. <laughs> so uh, I think those are. Those are sort of timeless lessons that that we get from these kinds of great stories that that change the way we think. I remember when Neo woke up in the pod in the first Matrix movie. Yeah, um, you guys have seen this movie. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> when he wakes up in the pod, like I could like literally feel my brain like expanding. Like, oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like, like this it, is the it, real world. Yeah, it sort of changed the way that that I looked at at my world like what's real what's not real and um so great i think great stories do that they take us to uh to another place oh yeah you know that's one of my favorite things with you know star wars or with comic books and that is that you know you get immersed into it just another world another uh, group of people um you know that may be total fantasy and that but um you know if they're if they're written well and the characters are written well you can just get lost in it yeah, absolutely. And I saw the Godfather films recently for like the first time. What? And these, uh, yes, I know, I know. You're kidding me, Mark. <laughs> I'm ashamed. Um, but I mean, I've always been a fan of like Humphrey Bogart and those old, you know, 1940s films. But I, you know, I was just getting around to seeing the Godfather. And, but it's the same thing. <laughs> you know, these are characters that are based, you know, on a more, you know, realistic sort of world. But, uh, it does that great thing of taking us into a world, into a place and time that that we've never been before. And so, yeah, there's there's much there's much to learn, much to learn in these stories. And I think that's something that that readers really look forward to, you know, and try to find in in comic books that they like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that characters that they can identify, that stories that they can identify with. Um, you know, just those. Again, the, the, those different worlds and universes that you can create when you're telling these stories. Yeah, absolutely. Well, see, and- that's that's what we do with with all of our stories. We we want to find a way to um, put in a human element that you know you may not readily get when okay, you know, a lot of you guys might have. There's a lot of people who haven't even read the Bible, picked it up, or even know the story about King Saul. But if you have a narcissistic parent. If you read our book, you're going to see, oh, okay, I recognize that. <laughs> or if, if you see that, you know, that there's a son who is seeking his father's approval. Yeah, I, I've been there, done that. You know, if you see that there is there is strife between a mother and a daughter. Yeah, we've been there, done that. So it's just like yeah. these are these the, the human element that we place in our stories, even with uh, our, our re- most recent books, uh, Samson Rise. You know, it's like, you know, Samson is sitting in prison thinking about, hey man, how did I get here? And it's just like, you know, I mean, there's there's some brothers and sisters who are on lockdown who can definitely relate. 
or even people who have done something bad and, and they are just looking at the wreckage in their life and they can relate and say, man, you know, how did I get here? Yeah. And with Samson, you know, Samson, he was, he was really strong and we were, we were kind of debating, you know, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with Samson in the Bible, but he was really strong. Right. And he, uh, he killed 600 Philistine soldiers with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, because yeah. we, yeah. we were debating, you know, this, this guy, Samson, in the Bible, he's really strong. So is he the Superman of the Bible or is he the Incredible Hulk of the Bible? But I think because he killed all those soldiers with the jawbone of a donkey. He's kind of the Hulk. <laughs> well, yeah, that's <laughs> He's kind of the Hulk, but, we, you know, I think we kind of – we're talking about maybe he's the Wolverine of the Bible, you know, because Wolverine is slashing everybody, you know, kind of doing that mutant uh, rage thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> but he was really strong, but he had weaknesses. You know, one of his one of his weaknesses was women, right? He had mm-hmm. uh, really bad taste in women, and you know, us guys, if you've ever gotten together with a woman who was, you know, uh, yes. your, your, mom, your mama. You have, yes. Um, <laughs> it didn't turn out so good. <laughs> um, oh, I've been with Jason, right? I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, you know, he, he just couldn't help himself. So he would get together with one and it would blow up in like the worst kind of way. And then he would get together with another one and, and that would go south as well. Um, but, you know, the, it's it's one of those timeless things, the seduction of women. And, you know, it's like, oh, I know I shouldn't do this, but, I, I, yeah, I just can't help myself. And, um, you know, we've all seen that that politician or that religious leader who just couldn't say no. Mm-hmm. And maybe oh. some of us have, have been that person. Uh, and it, yeah, they, you know, they, they pop up more and more. <laughs> they do, right? Uh, it's like that that song, uh, in, that Instagram model song from back in the day. I don't know if you guys ever heard that song, but you know, it's Lil Wayne singing about you know these Instagram models that he's dating that are just uh, yeah problems, problems, problems. <laughs> <laughs> so with with the type of stories that that you tell. Um, with, you know, um, taking, uh, leaning some credit towards, you know, stories of the Bible and things like that. Are there things or topics that you feel that you have to kind of tiptoe around or avoid when you're, when you're writing these? It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think we really, actually, we don't, we don't avoid anything. (laughs) We kind (laughs) of, we kind of tackle everything. I feel everything is, if anything is in the human experience, it's definitely worth it's worth talking about. Um, now, as far as Terminus is concerned, we are a faith and family friendly company, so there are, you know, certain ways we approach things that that are not as um, salacious as the world would be. We don't glorify violence. We don't glorify sex or objectify objectify women in our books, but we do challenge. You know, we do. Uh, there are levels in our storytelling that hey, this is not for little kids. Uh, or, you know, this is specifically for little toddlers, you know what I'm saying? So it's this, we, we definitely have a range of, of ways we want to tell our stories, but we don't shy away from, from very heavy topics because it's like, you know, in Radio Free America, we're dealing with war. 
we're dealing with, um, you know, uh, racial strife. Um, we're dealing with, you know, Russian aggression. We're dealing with a lot of, you know, geopolitical topics that, you know, little kids would not even understand unless a parent walks them through it. Um, so it's like we, you know, and not everything that we, not every story we tell is biblically based. Uh, Platypus v. Okay. Monkey is definitely not uh, not a biblical story, <laughs> but it, it's, it's one of those kind of Bucks Bunny-ish stories where, you know, it, it's several du double entendres might go over, you know, little kids' heads. But, you know, any, any uh, you know, kid would love to see a little platypus, you know, walking around fighting a monkey <laughs> who is cybernetic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's just all about how to tell the stories. But no, we don't we don't shy away from from topics. Yeah, it's, it's, awesome. really about, it's really about, you know, the, who's the appropriate audience, right? Some books are. So, uh, yeah. What what is the Radio Free America? What what can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, um, Radio Free America. In my, if I were to just just give you a quick synopsis, it is uh, Red Dawn meets The Wire. These are stories that some people, TV series people might not, or movies people might not recognize, but it really is World War Three from an urban perspective. It is um, uh, after Russia has invaded. The United States, uh, a remnant of, of people from you know, many people from South Philadelphia, escape um, across the Canadian border and um, establish a refugee camp. And in this camp is a pirate radio station called Radio Free America. And um, the gist of it is that the the DJ who runs the story, uh, who runs the the, the station. Uh, is communicating with freedom fighters in occupied United States. The way he communicates is through hip hop. And he encodes messages through beats and scratches in, uh, in hip hop records. And it basically coordinates resistance uh, movements in occupied United States. Oh, that's a pretty cool idea there, actually. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, we, we, uh, we definitely, I wrote this back in 2009 and I never knew that there was going to be a pandemic in 2020 because that's pretty much when the story was based. And I'm like, whoa, the apocalypse did happen in 2020. I guess I'm a prophet. <laughs> so has, uh, has the pandemic slowed you guys down with, the, you know, um, trying to get more stuff out in that? Is that created some obstacles for you or has things been pretty much the same still on your end? Actually, we've had, we've gotten more things out now than we've ever gotten out, right, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the pandemic, well, it's like people can't be, you know, running around, goofing off. They're all stuck in their house at their computer. Um, so, no, it's, a you know, the pandemic has, uh, there's the downside of it that we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. We can't see our friends and family that we'd like to see. Uh, but the upside of it is that we all have more time to, to spend at home with our families, but also working on the projects that we love to, to work on. So, you know, it's, well, been, it's, a, it's been a good thing in that way. Well, that, that's why I wondered there because, you know, with, with the pandemic and people staying home, you know, people are looking for ways to entertain themselves, way to entertain the family and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, trying to think of things that they can do at home. And so, you know, obviously something like with what you guys do would be fantastic for that. Um, 
Uh, And and comic book fans are pretty unique type of fans that they are always looking, at least in my opinion, they're always looking for the next new thing. They want to be the first ones in on it. Um, You know, they want to have an underground uh, comic that nobody else has heard about yet. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, it's, and it's funny you mentioned that. We just got, um, we were just made aware of a review by a homeschoolers um, organization that reviewed Dominion. You know, our, our books, um, and we're, we're going to be releasing chapter three uh, in a few weeks here, but each of the Dominion books has a study guide in it. It's just a little one or two page study guide that if, if folks want to dig deeper, if they want to go back to the source, uh, and read the story, there's a study guide there for that. And so for, it's funny, everybody was basically homeschooled in 2020 and yeah. having something <laughs> so like true. this, that makes, that makes something that can be esoteric and kind of boring and kind of like, there's so much there, like, where do I start? Like the Bible, it, it really breaks it down into something that's entertaining and that really, a lot of folks have said, you know, I'm not a Bible person, but, you know, I read that comic book and it made me curious to go back and read the the, the historical account there in the Bible. So, you know, that's a great thing because, yeah. you know, a lot of people, it's like, you know, can you really call yourself a literate person if, if, you're, if you've never read any of the Bible? You know, like <laughs> I'm a Christian guy, but I've read the Koran. I've read other things because it's, you know, it's part of being an educated person, right? So in that way, you know, I think I think it's been a a really good thing for for folks. I'm uneducated because I read it on tape. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, I got my Audible subscription and and I I quote unquote read, listen to uh, a whole lot more books than I could ever read, you know. (laughs) It's funny you say that because. Do you guys have a date? when that next chapter will be out? Um, you know what, man? It's funny that you say that because I am literally working on it right now as we're speaking. <laughs> so uh, we're hoping that uh, um, we're trying to aim for um, uh, early June. So, okay. you know, uh, I, I think we'll, we'll, you know, I wanted to get it done in, in before the end of this month, but, you know, things kind of happen and it's like a little bit rough, but I definitely will know that we'll be, we'll be launching in early June for chapter three. We will also be putting out our first trade paperback of the first three books of Dominion. Also, uh, probably at the end of June, early July, that'll come out. And so uh, for people who did not want to just wait to just read one book here, one book there, no, you'll be able to get to read all three books in one setting. So it's kind of like binging. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say it kind of feeds to that binge culture a little bit. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's the way I read comic books. You know, like when I was a kid, I remember I would get a comic book. I'm going to be so excited about it. I've been waiting for this to come out. And I would get the comic book and like half the pages are like, ads for Twinkies or for sea monkeys or, or, you know, here's a, you know, Jim, Gold's Jim, you can oh come strong and not be a wimpy guy. Yeah. Um, so half the pages would be those kind of ads. And then oh, there'd I be bet you Gold's Jim regrets that advertising money going out the window. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, 
like half the pages would be the story. There'd maybe be 10 to 15 pages of story and I would get to the end and I'd be like, oh, oh, this is, this is, man, this is rough because there wasn't a whole lot of story there to sink my teeth into. Mm -hmm. But uh, graphic novels are great because you can, you can read a whole lot of story in, in one sitting. So as a grown up, I that's how like I would. <laughs> A, a karate class or something should have been the advertisement, Matt, instead of Gold's Gym. Like, these kids need to learn how to fight. Yeah, Forget lifting weights. They need to learn how to fight first. I agree. When I was a kid, I, you know, there was the, the bully. His name was David Humphreys. And uh, he watched uh, WWF wrestling. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, okay. I didn't watch wrestling, so I didn't know how to, you know, wrestle in the play playground. So <laughs> I, I would get put in the suplex or the Ooh. or the whatever, and so I was at a disadvantage. So I agree <laughs> on the whole karate fighting. <laughs> you grew up in Georgia, and you weren't into wrestling. <laughs> hey man, come on, man. I was yeah, that that's <laughs> territory out there. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, you know, my dad, he liked to put on the Braves. And oh, gosh, okay. I, remember, I remember, I don't know how long the typical baseball game is, but I think when I was a kid, it was about seven or eight hours long. Sitting yeah. there <laughs> the Braves game, and now they're in extra innings. And, hey, can, can I watch Bugs Bunny or wrestling on the other channel? <laughs> oh, no, boy, get out of here. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to watch a whole lot of wrestling when I was a kid. <laughs> but uh, David Humphreys watched a whole lot of wrestling, and uh, yeah, you know, gave me the super slam. You know, so. <laughs> did you, have you have you talked to David since? No, I haven't talked to David Humphreys. I'm sure he's probably a, a just a super guy. Uh, yeah, we became friends <laughs> later. Um, you know, after he kicked my butt on the playground a bunch of times, we we became friends, and I would go over to his house and. Uh, you know, the, the weird thing is, uh, like, I think, I think I was like maybe nine or 10 and I called my, I called my mother mom. Right. But I, I went over to the big tough David Humphrey's house and he called his mother, mommy. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, this is, this is kind of weird that the, the big, you know, power slam bully on the playground calls his mother, mommy. But uh, maybe, maybe he was kind of like Eric Cartman on South Park a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, let's hope that David turned into a nicer guy. You know. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he did. You know, we're all kind of jerky when we're little kids, um, or or we're or we're that weird kid. I remember this other kid, Lonnie Lucius, would always bring kind of a a half rotten banana to class every day. <laughs> And he would kind of sit there like a lizard and like peel it. And I would kind of look over at him and kind of throw up in my mouth a little bit. I was like, is he going to eat that rotten banana? You know, and I would, it was kind of like a horror movie every day watching Lonnie Lucius eat his half rotten banana at lunchtime. I think that's a, there's a, there's a comic book in that, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, the Lonnie Lucius half rotten banana. That name sounds like a serial killer. <laughs> hey, Lonnie you know, Lucius. Yeah, if Lonnie Lucius is out there listening, you know, hit hit me up on Facebook or you know, or Twitter or whatever, uh, or David, you know, would love to reconnect with those guys because you know it it is those you know when you're a kid you you kind of see everything through the the kid lens, right? 
<laughs> and yeah. um yeah uh it's like you're if you if you, if there were no weird kids in your class you were the weird kid yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> well Lots like the one thing kids. is too when you grow up like you know i look at some of the kids that used to make fun of me and pick on me when i was in school and when that age you don't realize the things that they have going life Right. You know, and when you grow up, you kind of look at it. And you're like, oh, his dad was an alcoholic and beat his mom. Now I understand it. You know, like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was this kid and he would come to class every day and he in wearing the same clothes and he was kind of smelly and stuff. And, um, you know, we we were just kids. So it would be like, hey, you wear the same clothes and you're smelly. And yeah, you find out years later it's because his family's living out of a van and uh, they're basically homeless. And so, as, as a grown-up, you get more you get more understanding of that of why things are the way they are. And yeah, hopefully, <laughs> some people they grow up and they're just as, yeah, some people they grow up and they're just as dumb as they were when they were little kids. So. <laughs> Yeah, no plenty of that. <laughs> Wisdom does not so, come with age for some folks. <laughs> before we uh, before we run out of time here, guys, me and Dean have never actually been into to any of the real big comic cons anyway, like you know the California ones or any I've, the New York ones. I've been to the Omaha one. Do you guys have uh, Do you guys right. have any crazy stories from comic cons? <laughs> Um, Man, I haven't really been to many. Mark is usually the one who has who's the boots on the ground for for most of the comic cons. Um, I do remember I do remember one year Dragon Con um, uh, in Atlanta. Um, I saw Stan Lee at, at a panel, and I, I must have stood out line outside in a line that took an hour to get in. And I can honestly say I didn't get very close to him. But I actually did see Stanley with my own two eyes. So Stanley, That's God rest awesome. his soul. Thanks, Stanley, for the for the memories. Yeah, I, I also yeah. saw Stanley in the flesh, and that was pretty great. Um, I think one thing you see at conventions when you're sort of uh, presenting uh, at a convention or you have a table at a convention is you see all the all those sort of behind the scenes uh, stuff that's going on. Uh, with the different companies and probably the weirdest thing I saw was that at Dragon, Dragon Con apparently um, a guy hadn't had a good weekend or something like uh, his product didn't sell very well or something like that so you could see like over the course of the four days of the convention <laughs> he's getting you know kind of more and more upset because he invested all this money in the table and then and getting shipping the product there and all the, um, in his time and everything so he's kind of short fused and you, you can kind of watch him and see, man, he's going to blow, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's getting <laughs> upset. So yeah, towards the end of the convention, I remember him. Yep. He's, he's blown up and he wanted to fist fight with somebody oh, oh. <laughs> and security had to kind of rush over and, oh, and, no. and get, get in between. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it went, one of the weird things about uh, the larger uh, conventions like San Diego Comic-Con or Dragon Con is there's there's so many people there who are just great costumers. Uh, they're great at making these uh, large uh, 
really beautiful costumes and they're just kind of walking around like um one of my one of my favorite conventions even though i live here in atlanta is is dragon con where you know in the marriott at two o'clock in the morning on you know saturday morning you it's like this massive hotel that's just filled with people in these really beautiful sophisticated uh movie quality costumes just kind of walking around <laughs> and you're, <laughs> you're standing there you know with the drink in your hand um so tell me uh tell me uh you know you got a guy like uh he's the dark knight but he's batman with actual plate armor on <laughs> to look like batman you're so so tell me uh where did you uh get this armor and he's like well i made it myself and blah 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 so it's kind of surreal but it's that it's that it's that beautiful moment where you're talking to someone who created just beautiful and unique and you're just standing there having a conversation at two o'clock in the morning at the marriott in atlanta it's 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 a yeah, great I saw, I saw this. yeah i saw someone in like full iron man hulkbuster armor walking around i'm like okay um that's cool <laughs> that's something that you would never see on a regular day uh but at dragon con or at san diego comic-con all bets are off you can see pretty much whatever you need to see and you know it's going to be kind of nice that you know I i'm not sure i know they're not having it this year are they mark are they having san diego comic-con is that is that you think that's next year yeah i think it was canceled for this year um yeah. it would be happening yeah, basically right now year. Yeah, canceled for this year, but I think they're gonna uh, pick it back up next year. But Dragon Con is happening this year. Oh, Dragon Con is happening. Yeah, so that's a good thing. Cool. <laughs> so you guys mentioned uh, Stan Lee uh, a little bit ago, and that so is there. Obviously, he's an influence for many, many artists and comic book writers, and that as well. But is there, I guess, you know, other influences that you have as far as writers or artists that from the. Yeah, well, for me, um, you know, uh, you know, I mean, Frank Miller, who did, um, you know, Sin City oh, yeah. and 300 and The Dark Knight Returns. It's like he's like one of the one of the greatest of, of them all, um, you know, as far as literary, you know, C.S. Lewis, you know, he, he definitely informs uh, my right a lot of my writing. Um, uh, a lot of artists, there's one artist who's fantastic, you know, comic book painter. His name is Alex Ross. He did some some of the most beautifully rendered watercolor comic books, um, you know. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's, a, I mean, Gene Roddenberry <laughs> did Star Trek. Um, you know, George Lucas is one of my, you know, all-time greatest muses because, of course, you know, Star Wars informed a whole lot of my childhood, which informs a lot of my writing right now you know spielberg and you know even you know um francis ford coppola and all these other guys so yeah mike mignola is a, a favorite of mine um because you know he he created hellboy uh, with dark horse and just you know i admire him just because he he does his thing right like his thing is a little different you know like uh bear mentioned frank miller you know these guys who have a a certain style that's that's theirs and it's like bruce tim who created the character designs for batman the animated series uh, you have these artists yeah. with a very you, their style is different and it's very unique but you can immediately recognize it um i admire yeah. you know uh, todd, todd mcfarland the the todd father <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, 
creator of Spawn and Image Comics. Uh, admire him from a, you know, definitely a creative, but also a business perspective. Uh, just saying, what do I want to do? You know, that's, that is one of the best questions you can ask yourself is, is what yeah. do I want to do? What, what can I bring to the table that nobody else can? And uh, then get about doing that. And, you know, Todd has been doing that for gosh, decades now. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of admiration for him and just stepping up the game in comics. I remember before image comics, comic books were printed on newsprint and the print quality wasn't great the paper quality wasn't great and the first time i read a spawn book the paper was slick and kind oh my of gosh spawn number one was fantastic yeah it was a thicker stock of paper oh, and it was computer yeah, color i'd never seen that before absolutely so you know taking it to the next level like that is 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 some is something that that I admire a lot, and that that we want to do here at Terminus Media with all the things that we're doing is take it up a notch, you know, challenge the industry to be better, and to do better stories and characters and better art, and uh, so yeah, that's Very awesome. Cool. Hey, uh, before we get off here, guys, uh, go ahead and plug anything you guys want. Uh, where? where can people buy the books? Where can people find updates on what you guys are working on? Yeah, folks can go to our website, um, www.terminusmedia. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-U-S-M-E-D-I-A.com. And we have Dominion, Follow the House of Saul there. We have Samson Rise there. We have a little story I wrote, Platypus versus Monkey there. And Radio uh, Free America. Yeah. Radio Free America. Uh, we also have, um, uh, you know, a, a radio drama of the of the story of Jesus's life there, um, called End of Darkness, that was produced by Daniel Hancock. And so, if you're going on a road trip this summer and you want to, you know, sort of listen, like we talked about listening to audiobooks, you want to <laughs> listen to the story of Jesus's life from a a great cast with great music and great sound effects. Um, End of Darkness. Yeah, the production is amazing on that. Yeah, so terminusmedia.com. And we're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. We're, we're, we're everywhere. So Awesome. Well, it was great doing this with you guys. I appreciate you taking the time out. Let me know when that next chapter comes out, and uh, I'll promote it here on the show for sure. Awesome. Thank you. We'll do that. Thank you. Yeah. Keep us updated. Guys got coming up, man. We'd love to have you back and talk again when the when the next book comes out. Appreciate it. We really yeah. appreciate your your show and, and bringing us on. Yeah, we'll do that. Thanks for having us on, guys. Okay. For sure. It's great talking with you guys. Have a great one, guys. Stay Good safe. Thanks. Thanks.